Well, how many are ready for the word of the Lord? Give me a big shout, amen. Come on now. We welcome our online audience as you join us from wherever you are around the world. We're so thankful that you're watching us. It's one thing to watch online. It's another thing to be here in person. And so if you're ever in our area, we invite you to stop, be our guest. We would love to have you be here with us. Now, today we're going to continue a new series that we started last Sunday called The Good News. It's the good news of the gospel. If you ever heard the word gospel, it translates the word good news. Last week we learned that there's a lot of bad news, but we also got to realize when we understand how bad the bad news is, then we really can appreciate how good the good news is. The good news is this, is that Jesus came that my life could forever be changed and that the bad news doesn't have control of my life. The bad news is not the final say-so in my life. But how does that good news work? I must first accept the good news, then I learn to be the good news, and then I learn to share the good news. As I shared that message last week, I got home, shortly after I got home, I got a text from somebody and said, Pastor, uh, as I was waiting on my food, I began to talk to my server. And as we talked and engaged in conversation, I felt led just to continue this conversation and just to make a long story short, before I left, they asked me to pray with them, and they prayed and they accepted Jesus right there at that food establishment. Can you believe that? Said, we shared the good news, and someone accepted. <laughs> Sharing the good news. Now, today, today's message, I believe, comes with a little warning that this is going to stretch you, okay? So get ready. Today's message is going to stretch you a little bit. It's going to challenge you, because the good news is about change. The good news is about change. We're all different. We all come from different backgrounds, different sets of beliefs. We're all, all raised in different ways, different parts of society, and we all have our different things we like. Let's just take a, a vote today between Coke and Pepsi. Who likes Coke? Raise your hand. Who likes Pepsi? Raise your hand. How many think they all need Jesus and need Dr. Pepper? Amen. I, uh, okay, there you go. We all like something different. How, how, many, how many people like cats? Raise your hand if you're a cat person. God bless you. You need Jesus. All right. We also, how many dog people do we have here? Raise your hand. Oh, there we go. We all know dogs are going to heaven. Okay. How many night owls we got in the house? See any night owls here? How many early birds we got in the house? Okay. Uh, we all have uniqueness, don't we? We all have certain quirks about us. We all have very, uh, just uniqueness that are very familiar to us and we like. Isn't it amazing that we all love our own uniqueness, but we end up hating other people's uniqueness? We, we don't like what's different about them. And we label people those people. Those people are different than me. Those people like something different than me. Those people vote differently than me. Those people act differently than me. Those people talk different than me. Those people dress different than me. Those people are beyond help. Those people need Jesus. Those people are out of control. Those people is why society the way it is. Those, and we have a long list of those people. But make it very clear that we always will put people in boxes. But what I want to get to you, remind you about today is this, that if you're looking to be offended, you'll be offended. There's always somebody out there to offend you. If you're looking to live your life offended, 
you're always going to find somebody or something that offends you. But today, you've got to understand that when it comes to the value that the Bible and Jesus put on people, there are no those people. There are only all people. There's just people. There's no value that God puts on anybody more than anybody else. There's just people that God died for. God died for all people. He took the sins of all people to the cross. It's us that has the problem. We're the ones that end up putting people into categories, and we're the ones who end up developing our own prejudice. We must remember that if God can change you, he can change them. If God can change you in the middle of your pig pen, God can change anybody else in any pig pen they're in as well. Last week we talked about the good news. And we're looking at the book of Romans. We're diving into this book of Romans. It, it has a lot that really defines what the good news is, how we should live it out, how it should affect and change our life. In Romans chapter 1, we talked about last week, Paul says, those people, they rebelled against God. And he goes, and those people, they brought God away from themselves, and they separated themselves. Those people were dysfunctional. Those people suffered much sexual perversion. They suffered much hardship. They suffered a lot of things going on. They were godless. They were wicked. They were evil. Those people, he goes, those people, and we're like, yeah, Paul, preach it to them. Tell them, tell them like it is, Paul. But the thing about it, chapter 2 happens. And look what he says about those people in chapter 2. Romans chapter 2, verse 1, you may think you can condemn those people, but you are just as bad, and you have no excuse. When you say they are wicked and should be punished, you are condemning yourself. For you who have judged others do these very same things. So Paul was saying this, that we judge those people, we label those people, and we have no right to do that because all of us have our issues. All of us need to change. All of us have come short of the God's glory. All of us have sinned. All of us have problems. All of us have things we're going through. All of us. We're all those people. And we're not to judge other people. We're so good at not judging our own sin, right? We're really good about that. We're really good about God's grace being big in my life, and we don't judge our own sin, but we're quick to judge everybody else's sin. We're quick to point out everybody else's sin. We, we'll tweet out everybody else's sin. We'll post about everybody else's mistake, but we don't like it when anybody does it about us. Come on now, so he's preaching to me, all right. We're so good at not judging everybody else when it comes to us. But we, we end up doing that. And what Paul was saying is this, that every time we judge somebody else, we're basically saying, God, we're making a mockery out of what God did in our life. We're making a mockery out of the love that God did for us. What we got to realize is this, if God can change me, he can change them. And if God can change you, he can change the people that you have a hard problem with. They need Jesus. Well, you needed Jesus as well, and God changed you. So how do, how do we do that? How do we let God change us, which ultimately brings change to other people? Number one, right to say, you've got to learn to lean into God's kindness. You've got to begin to 
really focus in on the kindness of God and lean in on how kind he really is to us. Romans 2, 4. Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that this is his kindness? See this. Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? It's his kindness that turns us from our sin. It was God's kindness while I was yet a sinner as I see how much kindness he has to me. It's what turns my heart to Jesus. The more I realize when I didn't love him, he loved me anyway. The more I realize when I ran from him, his love pursued me anyway. The more I realize when I rejected him, his love was always there pursuing me. And the more I realize how kind God really is, that he would pursue me in my failed state. He would pursue me in my imperfection. And he would love me anyway. No matter how big I've blown it, his love is there for my life. It's his kindness that brought me. So realizing this, if I think someone needs to change, what's going to bring change in their life? Me telling them how bad they are? Me making a post about how bad they are? Me holding a sign out in front of a business and telling them how bad they are? What's going to make a change? No. What's going to make a change is when I let God's kindness come out of me. When people see God's love and kindness coming out of me, even those who you think are those people can begin to change when they see the kindness of God coming out of your life. That's the only thing that's going to bring change. Listen, our society needs to change. We've got to stop fighting each other. We've got to stop being us versus them, those people versus us people. Listen, that's got to stop. We've got to let God's love rise to the top. Well, they're, 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 listen, the only way they're going to change is when you learn to show God's kindness. Now, let me tell you a story. Last, last Christmas Eve, I got the call at 1.30 in the morning that no parent wants to get. You're like, okay, this is my son's best friend calling me, and he's at his house, so let's see what this is all about, because he's not calling me. His friend's calling me at 1.30 in the morning. So I'm like, okay, what's going on? He's like, uh, hey, Gene, I'm sorry, but... We were all boxing, over here boxing. Yeah, and my son, who's 18, he says, he, he says, he, uh, well, he dislocated his shoulder. And it won't go back in, and he's in a lot of pain. I go, well, can one of you guys drive his car home and drive him home, and I'll, I'll take him to the yard. So they, they bring him home, and he comes in, you know, and his, his shoulder's hanging down here. It's out of socket, and he's in a lot of pain. It's like 1.30 in the morning, you know. And I'm thinking, all right, I got to get ready. I got to go to the hospital. I'm going to hang out at the ER tonight. This is not how I wanted to spend my Christmas Eve. This is not, this is not it. Now parents think I'm going to get up and spend my Christmas Eve at the ER because my son decided that he was going to have a boxing match. And, you know, and so I, I get him in the car and every bump you hit, you know, ah! Can you go any faster, Dad? Please, please. You know, we're, oh, he took that corner too fast. And we get in, you know, every little motion hurts. And, He's sitting there in so much pain, and we go back to the check him in, and we walk in at the ER. It's like a little after 2 o'clock in the morning, and I get him checked in. They're going to have to x-ray him, put him to sleep, and put it back in the sock, and we go through all that. And you know what? I really, I really, Tom, I really wanted to say, man, dude, you run my Christmas Eve. You know, this is not what I wanted to do. I wanted to really give this father lecture mode, you know. I really wanted to jump into that and like, what are you thinking, you know, but I didn't. You want to know why I didn't do that? Because a year earlier, at 1.30 in the morning, 
I saw somebody breaking into my car. I saw the security light go off, and I, I went and looked out the window, and I saw someone trying to open my door. And so I jumped out in my socks and a pair of shorts and nothing else. I slung open the door, and I took off running after this person. I'm like, I'm going to chase this person down, tackle. You know, I was mad, and I go full speed. And right when I get around my car to turn the corner to go around the driveway, my feet hit the driveway in a pair of socks. And my feet go sliding one way, and my shoulder goes shoulder first into the front bumper of my car. And when I get up, my shoulder is dislocated. So I have to go in, and I won't come back in the socket, and so I have to get my wife up. And so I'm like, honey, you got to take me to the ER. My, my shoulder's, what happened? I'll tell you on the way. Just get up. Come on, I'm in pain. So she gets up and starts doing her hair and makeup. <laughs> I'm like, honey, day now, honey. I'm dying. Well, it's not my fault. You decided to go out there and be Rambo. Okay, come on, you know. <laughs> she gets all fixed up, and then we walk into the ER. It's a little effort. 2 a.m. Same ER. We check in to the room, and the doc looks. You look familiar. Wasn't didn't I do your shoulder about a year ago? We started talking. Yeah. Same same room. Same ER. Same doctor. See, I, I was able to have compassion because I remembered I had done the same thing at the same time of the night, and I remember how bad it hurt. And I remember I didn't want anybody saying how stupid I was for chasing this guy in my socks at 1.30 in the morning. I just wanted to get my shoulder back in the socket. So I waited until he woke up and his shoulder was back in the socket, and then we started laughing and joking around. And we have a good memory now to remember on Christmas Eve. But the reason why I could remember is because I'd just been there. And for some of us here, we're quick to condemn everybody else, and we forget we were just there. We forget without Jesus healing my life, without Jesus turning my life around, without Jesus, I was just as bad as them. I was those people. You were those people. We got to remember that Jesus came and radically changed my life, and he changed me. And if God can change me, he can change them. And I got to remember it through the kindness my kind, remembering that man, how much it hurt. I was kind to my son. Why? Because I remembered what he went through. I can remember and I can show kindness to other people even when I don't agree with them because I can remember how my attitude was before Jesus. I can remember how I stank before Jesus. I can remember how I didn't do things right before Jesus. I can remember how much I blew it before Jesus. We got to remember. Lean into God's kindness and how big it was for your life. When you want to start judging other people, what happens? That makes a mockery out of what God did in your life. Remember the good news. When I was selfish, he loved me anyway. Remember the good news that he was kind to me in the middle of my bad news. When I decided to climb out of my pig's pen, the father met me there. To show kindness. The prodigal son, when he got out of his pig's pen, it says the father was waiting on him to show him kindness. He didn't judge him, he, he showed kindness to him. Paul asked us, does God's kindness mean nothing to you? Do you not remember when I say those people and I start judging those people? I, I'm forgetting what God did in my life. When we condemn others, 
We make a mockery. Listen, God wants us to make God's kindness known to others. God wants us to show God's grace to others. How do we do that? Romans 12, 10, Paul says, love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. This should be our delight. This should really be your thing when we learn to have an honoring culture. Well, how do you honor people who make you mad? It's, it's tough. I ain't gonna lie. This is, that's why I said this is gonna stretch you today. How do I honor people who I don't agree with? How do I honor them? How did God honor you when you didn't agree with him? How did God honor you when you rejected him? How did God honor you? He, he still showed you kindness. That's how the world is going to change. That's how people are going to change. How do we respond to this cancel culture society? Everybody wants to cancel everybody else out. We get mad, let's cancel them out. Let's boycott them. We get mad at each other, let's cancel, let's boycott. I mean, we're in a society now where a person can be held accountable for something they tweeted out 12 years ago when they were still in high school. We have people who are getting canceled out of something they wrote in their yearbook 30 years ago. So we're saying people never have a chance to change? You never give people a chance to change? They're still the same person they were in high school? No, you're not, I'm not, and that person's not. Let's quit canceling each other out and show kindness. Let's learn to honor each other. Our first reaction should look to honor somebody. How would our world be different if we put an honor for society forward, where we look to try to honor somebody, try to show them kindness, how much would our community look different if we all said, you know what, we're going to be a community that honors each other that looks to show kindness? I got a picture sent to me this week from a friend, old friend, that said, my mom gave me my sewing machine. She wants me to learn how to sew. And she gave me her old sewing machine. And I was digging through it. And I found this picture of you and, and Melody from your first year of marriage. I thought you'd like to see it. So look at all. Everybody say, ah. 28 years ago, we just got married, finishing up college. And yeah, her, her dad was, was, was a coach of mine, and they had this picture stuffed in there somewhere. So anyway, she sends it to me. And I was looking at that thinking, man, if those two had any idea what was ahead of them. We had no idea. Before we had five baby BBs, that was us, honey. We actually had a life. Remember we had a life before, yeah, for, before our kids? Yeah. And so it, it was pretty awesome. And I, I was thinking, you know, but well, that, that was hard. Those first couple of years of marriage was really, really hard. Two lives coming together. And I, believe it or not, I'm, I wasn't the most easiest person to live with. I know that's going to be really hard to believe, but I'll just tell you, I wasn't the most easiest person to live with. And she was a saint, but not me. And so, you know how she changed me? How she changed me was this. She got up and she nagged me every day about everything I'd ever done wrong. She nagged me about all the mistakes I made, and that made me want to change, right? No, no. Matter of fact, that was just the opposite. When that happened, I would dig my heels in. I'm like, I ain't changing for you. And well, I ain't changing for you. And we, we fought a lot and we argued a lot. And man, it was hard to get along. And it wasn't until we started honoring each other, treating each other like we wanted to be treated, before we started to grow. And her years, she honored me back then, long before I was ever a pastor. She honored me like I was a valued man of God. 
She honored me like I was walking, like a, a mature man of God. And she treated me that way. She honored me that way. And that helped me want to lift myself up. It helped me want to grow. It helped me become who I am today because we learned to honor each other instead of just calling out all the things we hate about each other. All the things that get on our nerves. That produces no growth. Matter of fact, it produces death. But when you start honoring each other, it's amazing what happens. I have people all the time, well, if they would just change, pastor, if my husband would change or if my wife would change or if my boss would change or this would change, things would be so much better. I'm like, time out. No, no, no. You're, you're, you're concentrating on the wrong person. You've got to change. You've got to change. When you concentrate on yourself changing, then something happens. When you concentrate it, I change. I've got to change. So number two, write this down. Let your heart be changed. What does God really want from us? He wants a changed heart. That's what he wants. What does God really want from me? He wants a heart change. He values my heart. He wants us to change. Romans 2, 29, look at the first part. He goes, no, you're not a true Jew if one whose heart is right with God. A, and true circumcision is not merely obeying the letter of the law. Rather, it's a change of heart that produces produced by the spirit they were having this argument about what makes a christian all these long lists of laws to keep all these good things to try to do and, and paul was like no that's not what makes you a christian what makes you a christian when you let the spirit of god change your heart it's a heart change that's where it happens that's where it's happening. god changes your heart and you let god change your heart Paul says it's not about all these long list of rules and I do's. It's about letting the Holy Spirit change your heart. See, if we'll have a heart change, everything else will change. Well, he, I need to change how I talk to them. They need to change how they act here. They need to change how they respond. Well, if my heart changes, I talk differently. If my heart changes, I respond differently. When my heart changes, I act differently. Sometimes we want them, everybody to change how they act when all we really got to do is learn to change the heart. And then the response will be different. So how do I touch people's heart? Honor, kindness. How can we change our heart? Let me, let me give you some ways here. You gotta, if you want to change your heart, you got to focus your heart on your heart, not somebody else's. Quit focusing on everybody else's heart. But if they change, no, you change. It's amazing what happened. When I change my heart, it's amazing how my wife's heart changes as well. When I see her heart changing, it makes me want to change my heart. When I, when I see someone else changing that I had a conflict with and their heart's changing, all of a sudden, I'm like, whoa, I need to change the way I, my heart as well. See, if I'll change my heart, if I'll do my part, God will work on the other people. Quit worrying about everybody else's heart and look to change your own heart first. That's what Jesus said. Get the, quit worrying about the speck in your brother's eye. When you got a log sticking out to your own eye, take care of yourself. Focus on yourself. Quit focusing on everybody else. They need to change. If they would change, well, you change and let God use that. Focus on your heart, not someone else's, and you got to learn to be patient. Be patient with yourself. Sometimes we're, we're not very patient, are we? we? We look at ourselves and we think, man, I should be growing more. I should be changing more. I should be doing more. You know, I used to think that spiritual growth was like a staircase. Look at this picture here. 
I used to think this is how spiritual growth was, that we would grow and then a certain level, and then eventually we take another step up, and then we grow for a while, and then eventually we take another step up and grow. And I used to see spiritual growth as this ladder or as the steps that we would try to always get higher. When I realize now that that's really not the right diagram. This is what spiritual growth really looks like. It's like this. It's more of this. Spiritual growth is sometimes I'm down, sometimes I'm up. 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 But did you catch what I was going on? Even though sometimes I'm up and sometimes I'm down, I was always moving forward. Always moving forward. And that's what happens. And my growth is shouldn't, it's not up. I'm going to have seasons. Even I have seasons when I'm up and down, up and down, up and down. But I don't let it keep me there. When I'm down, I don't stay there. I'm getting back up. And I go for a while. And I have a hard time. But I get back up and I keep going. That's what spiritual growth looks like. It's, it's always, you're always going to have seasons of up and seasons of down. Seasons when you feel it, seasons when you don't. Seasons when you're motivated, seasons when you're not. But it's about keep moving forward in your life. This is how change happens. Be patient with yourself. Life is full of highs and life is full of lows. But you're always moving forward in God. Look at this equation here. I think this is how change really takes place. Truth plus grace plus time equals growth. Truth plus grace plus times equals growth. We have the truth of God's word, and we tell people truth in love, right? I, be, I can tell people truth and may disagree with them, but I can tell them in love, and I can show them in love, and even though I'm telling them something they may not like to hear, I'm doing it in love, and I'm doing it as kind as possible. I'm not doing it to judge them. I'm saying, listen, I, too, was in your shoes. I, too, was lost. It's truth. I can tell people the truth, and then I show them grace. Truth plus grace. Grace. God sees you where you are. We've all fallen short. We've all missed the target. That's us. Grace. You're not going to get judgment from me. You're only going to get grace and love, kindness from me. And over time, as I do that, God begins to change people's hearts, and then growth begins to happen. Look at the last part of that verse we just read in Romans 2, 29. Look at that last sentence. And a person with a changed heart seeks praise from God and not from people. See, when your heart changes, you stop focusing on everybody else. What do they have to say about me? What do those people think about me? What are those people thinking about me, posting about me? What are those people saying about me? But when you change heart, you simply say this, God, I'm seeking praise from you. I'm living my life for an audience of one. God, what do you think about me? God, are you pleased with me? God, am I being obedient to what you've asked me to do? God, am I showing people honor? Am I, am I showing people kindness? God, listen, let me just be honest with you today. You're always going to have critics in your life. You're always going to have somebody who's critical of you. You're always going to have people you cannot please. Our life's going to be full of critics the rest of your life. And if you let them control you, you'll never live your life happy. But the only way you can live your life free is to give your life fully to Jesus and say, God, I'm living my life for an audience of one. That's where I want to please. That's where I find my security. That's where I find 
what God's wanting to do in my life when I surrender to him. Quit worrying about everybody else. Give your life to God. So as you bow your heads today, I'm gonna ask you just to simply just bow and, and don't, don't look around right now. I wanna ask an important question. And that, and that question simply is this. Have you fully surrendered your life to Jesus? Have you fully accepted the good news that Jesus came and in my broken state, he gave his life for me? The good news is that no matter how many times I've blown it, that his love and his grace covers me if I'll just accept what he did on the cross and surrender my life to him. Without anybody looking, if you're here today, say, Pastor, I'm ready to fully surrender Jesus into my life. We won't do anything to embarrass you. We're not gonna single you out, but can you just raise your hand where I can see it and say, that's me, thank you. Anybody else, thank you. Yeah, anybody else today, if that's you, thank you. So that's me, I wanna give my life to Jesus. I see those hands in the back, thank you. One more time, if you didn't raise it and you wanna raise it, raise it right now. It's the last time I'm gonna ask. Say it right now, I'm ready. Raise it real high. Okay, we're gonna say this prayer, and if you raised your hand, I want you to repeat this prayer after me. As Christians around you, we'll say it as well to help you along. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I surrender all of my life to you. I believe you are the Messiah, God's only son. And from this day forward, I will live for you. And I will follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, we say, welcome to the family of God. Put my hand, clap. Yeah, that's awesome.